Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and today I'm joined by Kirsten Belair, Director of Behavioral Health at Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center. How are you doing today, Kirsten? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Good. So before we get started, I want to add that if listeners are interested in more stories about people doing good in and around El Paso County, or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. But to get into things, Kirsten, I was wondering if you can start by giving us some background about yourself and how you came to be here at Mount Carmel. Yeah. So my dad is a Vietnam veteran, and um, I didn't really hear too much about his service, time in service, uh, until I got older. But right before 9-11, I had met a gentleman, and um, we started dating And ultimately, um, 9-11 happened, and he was active duty Air Force. He volunteered to be one of the first tours in response to protecting our country. And so we actually created a relationship via email back then. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and I got one of the most beautiful creations uh, from our relationship, who's my daughter, Vivian. So I've always had a heart and a passion for the military and the military community. I actually did personally want to serve. I wanted to become uh, a pilot. Mm-hmm. And But back then, um, basically, you couldn't necessarily get in and be a pilot unless you had 20-20 vision, which I did not have. I, I feel that pain, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, okay, so that's not an option. Um, but again, it, of course, you know, Colorado Springs is so heavily um, influenced by the military members, veterans or service members that we have. It's kind of like, why not be able to give back in a different way and to be able to serve those who serve us? And so Mm -hmm. the position at Mount Carmel opened up um, and I was really excited. It seemed like a good fit and it's just been a launch from there for the past about six and a half years. Awesome. So tell me a little bit of Mount Carmel and uh, specifically what you do here and what is the main mission of yeah, your work and the organizations. Yeah. So um, some of the people who are from our community will be familiar with Phil Long Ford. And so actually Mr. Long was a veteran and he had a, uh, a philanthropic and, and just heart for our military community. And then when Mr. Jay Chimino took over um, Phil Long Ford, he too is a veteran and he has a huge heart for our military. And so he wanted to create um, a location where it would be like uh, one location where you can have multiple uh, needs met. Mm -hmm. And so he uh, basically conceptualized Mount Carmel uh, (laughs) along with uh, Mr. You know, retired Colonel Bob McLaughlin and they stood up and, conceptualized and have launched Mount Carmel Veteran Service Center. And so I think the the real premise of our organization as a nonprofit is to be able to provide wraparound services um, at low to no cost for our military community. And what that means is it's not just focused on one need that our clients might have. It's It's looking at all of the needs, whether it's Trans, like um, I need a job mm-hmm. and I need to translate my DOD resume to civilian resume because I've just transitioned out. Or maybe it's 
I'm struggling to pay my rent or my car broke down and it's either between fixing the car or paying the rent type of ideas or I'm, I'm struggling with housing. Mm-hmm. That's uh, another program that we have. And then the behavioral health side. And from there, those are a few of our core tenant programs. We also have what we call our Green Connect program. And that's where when people come into Mount Carmel, we want them to feel welcome. We want them to feel like they're coming into a military home connection. And so our Greet and Connect team um, really help people navigate what, A, their needs are and link them up to the services that either Mount Carmel provides or the partners that we have in the community. Yeah, and as you mentioned, we have a huge population, both veteran and active duty military here in Colorado Springs. Uh, Approximately how many people do you serve here at Mount Carmel and what communities do you serve? Yeah, so I can't give you the total specific numbers for Mount Carmel as a whole. I don't have that off the top of my head. Uh, potentially, we can get that to you. But I will say for the behavioral health side, we've we've served over, I want to say, 3,500 people now. We run a caseload of about 150 people that we're serving every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just through our um, classic behavioral health talk therapy modalities, but we also have our alternative therapies and retreats that we have served even more people in. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to me about how important it is in your mind for Mount Carmel to be viewed as an organization that the community can go to in their times of need? Yeah. So one of the things that we have heard from our veteran and military community is that they don't necessarily want all the time to be, um, basically to get their needs met or to see service providers who are not either veterans themselves Mm -hmm. or culturally competent. And so one of the things that we want is to provide a hub where when our service members um, come or our veterans or even the families, they're coming into an environment where it's like, okay, these people understand. They understand that the military in and of itself is a culture. Um, The multiple combats that people have seen during this last phase uh, in our like history, I'll just say the last few decades, couple decades. Um, And then also understanding the, the family dynamics that occur with, with that. So you have the strengths uh, and adaptability and gifts and talents and, ethics and hard work that you have from those who've served. And then you also have the systems around them that support them. So again, no matter what, um, basically we're working to serve or what need we're trying to meet, Mm -hmm. we want people to feel like in a way they're coming home or they're, they're coming to connection with what's familiar and what's, what's safe and that they feel hopefully understood. Yeah. So, You mentioned how important it is for the veteran community to be able to come here to Mount Carmel and have someone that understands their experience. And and that's one of the reasons why they do come here. If you're someone like me, though, who doesn't doesn't have specific ties to the military, how can someone like me empathize with that community but not have that experience? Yeah. I think there's a few ways. One, of course, is always going to be potential research. Um, Psych Armor online, it's an online platform that has free trainings. That's sometimes a good uh, exploratory process. But ultimately, I think it's important uh, for us civilians who haven't served to understand that 
the the military culture is a warrior culture. Mm -hmm. And what that means is warrior cultures are based on um, secrecy, denial, and stoicism. And that what they do and in everything that they do, it has a purpose, it has extreme importance, excuse me, because if they potentially are not doing what they're supposed to do, this could mean breakdowns of missions, this could mean loss of lives. Mm -hmm. And so... um, it's not like a typical eight to five job right. that these individuals right. go through, right? Like they're right. working way beyond eight to five mm-hmm. and it is intense and it is important. And the the sense of community and brotherhood, I think that's something that sometimes families don't understand is how service members will sometimes feel more connected with their brothers and sisters uh, that they're serving with than their own families because mm-hmm. they share so, so many activities and sometimes extreme experiences. So when we have people who um, are either serving or are veterans understanding that they're going to be stoic a lot of times Mm -hmm. and they're, they don't want to be burdens because they're supposed to be of the servant heart and helping and be a support and capable. Um, And that they, they sometimes, you know, hold, hold it inside. And one of the, uh, one of the, um, kind of analogies or stories that I remember somebody sharing with me who had served was like this idea that you don't go to sick bay unless basically you're profusely bleeding or you're (laughs) passed out. Like Uh that's kind of one of those things you just, they push through the pain. Mm -hmm. They push through the stress and the pressure. That's what you have to do sometimes on missions to be mission ready. Excuse me. So understanding that that's how that culture has been reinforced. And so, um, whether people get out early after serving only a couple few years or whether they've served decades, that mentality is still there. It doesn't mean, though, that they're not approachable. It doesn't mean right. that they don't have extreme tenderness and huge hearts mm-hmm. and that they're, you know, shut down per se. Some people are. I mean, again, we know with, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, some of the the symptoms are the withdrawal, are the dissociation or disconnection of self or whatever because they're trying to navigate and move forward in their lives after experiencing whatever hardships they have but um that it's just a unique community and what i've learned from most every person that i've talked to that has served is that they really are open to curiosity and i think as humans hopefully we're open to curiosity so if i don't know the military culture and i'm speaking to somebody who is of the military culture Mm -hmm. or military community I might be like, can you help me understand that? Or, or what does that mean? Yeah. Or is there anything I should know that, that you think I should know about your culture, the military culture, that I maybe don't? Right. And those conversations are just um, brilliant opportunities to increase our understanding and knowledge. And again, not again, I didn't say it earlier, so <laughs> that didn't work. But, um, but this concept of they, let's say the community wants to be understood but for the most part, I will say if a civilian says to a veteran, especially combat veteran, I understand, like I get it, I understand. If you haven't served, they might be like, no, you, no, you don't. Right. You, you don't understand. You don't get it. And of that's course. okay because um, it's not about us saying, oh, I get it. I understand. I've been there because we haven't. Right. But it's the, but I want to know more. I want to better understand what it was like for you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think what's, What's interesting about that is just listening. It seems pretty 
ubiquitous for any culture yep. you want to understand, yep. right? Is listen, mm-hmm. listen, listen, and be open to hearing, you know, what's said. Don't try and, uh, like you said, don't try and say, oh, I get it. Oh, I understand. Cause yeah, you're right. We, we really don't right. if we haven't been there. Right. Uh, but you know, keeping those ears open and be willing to take in that information and, and hear what they have to say. Yeah. Um, that's really great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, so after submitting your grant request to the county, yeah. uh, Mount Carmel was awarded $300,000 of ARPA funding. Uh, can you talk to me about what the money has gone to fund? Yeah. Well, as a nonprofit, we are always so grateful for the supports that we can get and the grants that we can get. Um, it has helped us continue forward and keep our doors open um, for some years now. So I can tell you that directly this Funding is going to our behavioral health program, and it's going to uh, one pos- two positions, one of which is our gateway coordinator. And what that means is this is a, a person who, when we have screenings, we have a no-cost screening process, which means we're going to have somebody from the military community come in. We're going to sit down, have a conversation, and from there identify what are their behavioral health needs. Once we identify what those needs are, we're going to help them, or together with them, excuse me, determine if our program is a good fit um, or if somebody else in the community would be a better fit to ensure that their needs are getting met and met effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, the cool thing is, is instead of going, hey, call these three providers, hopefully what we're doing, the plant. Let me back that up. Not hopefully. We are doing. <laughs> I just know I have a I have a hard time like speaking from if I'm not doing the job myself. Right? Oh no, no. I give it general, but but yeah. we are um, able to say, okay, so let's say you are a veteran and you're looking for medication management. Uh, you have Tricare for insurance, um, and you're wanting to get in like soon, very soon. Mm-hmm. So we have the gateway coordinator position that is doing a lot of the legwork, okay. identifying who in the community has openings. Do they take your insurance? Are they going to be able to serve what needs you do have? And then getting that warm connection. Mm-hmm. And then if there are barriers to that, like the, let's say the service person, um, reaches out and, oh, they're booked or they said no. It's like, whoa, okay, well, let's see if we can get you connected with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So just kind of that not hand holding, by the, but a little bit of guiding sure, to support. Because sure. I know, by the way, we joke because the military has a plethora of acronyms. Well, so does behavioral <laughs> health. And so if you just look something up on the internet, you may not know what an LCSW is versus an LMFT versus, you know, we're using CPT treatment versus EMDR treatment, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Makes sense? Well, I, I recognize <laughs> LCSW, but that's about it. There we go. Right. <laughs> so, um, so it's just a, it's a, it's a beautiful part of our program that, again, we just wanted to reduce the gaps and barriers that people had to getting behavioral health care. And then it also is funding a, it's kind of a cool morph position. So it is a clinical position and we have uh, an MFT candidate. And so he is a support supervision kind of role for our clinical team. Most of our team are either graduate interns from the accredited universities or their licensure candidates earning hours towards licensure. And then he also sees um, clients and provides services that way. Mm -hmm. So with those two, like um, it's pretty powerful because through both of those roles, we're actually reaching out and serving more than the average. Just if I was just to say, you know, you pay me and then I'm going to see 20 clients. Sure, Sure. It's like, actually we're serving way more Mm -hmm. than 20 clients um, through those positions. Yep. 
Excellent. And what is some of the feedback you've received from those positions? I mean, again, this is these are positions funded by ARPA funding. Yeah. And like, what has that feedback been having, I guess, maybe around campus here at Mount Carmel? Like, what are you hearing from people about like how great it is to have those positions in place? Yeah. Um, well, I can say for the gateway coordinator position, um, I feel like a lot of the feedback that we have heard is extremely positive, that it was very helpful, that it was nice to not have to, for example, if I was a client, to go to this provider and then start services, oh, wait, nope, that's not what I needed. Let me go to this person. Oh, wait, whoops, that's not what I needed. Yeah. So to bypass that mm-hmm. and then also have the support and some of that legwork done mm-hmm. for them. Um, and then, to again, to increase the immediacy of care. So yeah. if somebody is on a wait list, like, you know, we have um, great partners that sometimes they fill up. And instead of the client feeling like, okay, well, now I have to wait for three months. Right. Instead, it can be, well, then we're going to divert and, and connect. So ultimately, I would say, I think people are happy. And we are, <laughs> always, we are always open to critical feedback because mm-hmm. it helps us grow. We can't change sure. what we don't know. Um, and then I think on the other portion, uh, Zachariah, if you ask the team, especially the, the uh, intern and, and candidacy team, he is a huge support. And I know I'm very busy and I'm the one of the lead supervisors. And so when I can't be there, he is. Yeah. And I can say for most all of his clients that he's had, they really love him. We have um, satisfaction surveys that are anonymous. And so they're able to write things about each of the clinicians, whether it's what's working, what's not working. And um, it's amazing to hear the feedback of man, this person, whether it's, it's the, you know, the clinician I'm talking about, Zachariah, or whether it's others, how the clients are going, I never thought that I could not feel that anxiety that I felt my entire life. I never thought that my marriage could be so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I never thought that I would be able to say I had PTSD, but now it's not ruling my life. Yeah. Um, and just to, to feel in a way understood, even though we're not saying we understand, sure, <laughs> but, no, sure, but sure. to feel understood, to feel supported, um, and, and genuinely just, we like the people that we work with. We yeah. are so honored. Um, so just that positivity. Yeah. Um, so how has working with other nonprofit organizations in the area benefited these programs that you guys are working on? Yeah. So one thing that I really enjoy, um, and I think it, you know, it, it trickles down from Mr. Chimino uh, to Bob, but I know one of the statements that Bob has made in numerous meetings over the years is, you know, can we all just play in the sandbox together? Right. Um, <laughs> right. And I appreciate that because what that says is, is in a way our mission, it's not about Mount Carmel's glory. It is about the people that we're serving and their needs are what's most important. And so in order to be able to serve them well, we have had to and desired to collaborate and connect with all of the community partners. So here in Carter Springs, we have a plethora of organizations um, that are ready and willing and desiring to serve Mm -hmm. our military community. And they have... um, because there's just this huge plethora, it's like, why are we going to do exactly what these other people are doing and they're doing so well? Right. It's like, again, we were supposed to do, um, fill in the gaps. So we have a lot of partners, a 
I'm just going to say a lot of partners um, and agencies that we work with that we are just so grateful for the services that they do and for that collaborative um, ex- like relationship, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And so you mentioned a couple of the programs that you work on here. Uh, how do you measure the success of those programs? Yeah. So for us, uh, at least on the behavioral health side, we have quite a few <laughs> kind of measures. So one of them is that... Um, anonymous feedback survey that we get and we have you know numerical measurements so we're usually running about a 95 percent satisfaction rating Mm -hmm. and we also have what's called an ors or an srs which is an outcome rating scale and a um symptoms or sorry session rating scale and so that's more of an immediate how was the client doing was that session effective for them we also do contractual goals which we're measuring out to say if for example, the client comes in and wants to reduce their anxiety or depression uh, after a certain amount of weeks or by the time that we're graduating the client, did we meet those goals? So we do that, but also I would say um, I think the biggest testimony to the successes that we have are every time we graduate a client because they came in struggling and uh, walked out with confidence and connection and hope and healing and recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I, I have so many great stories, of course, because of HIPAA, we can't give specifics on sure. that. Yeah. But to put it in a general term, it's powerful when somebody is courageous enough to come in and sit down across from a stranger. Mm-hmm. And then they actually open up their lives, no matter how, what I call, how deep, dark, and dirty it is. Yeah. Um, and they can come away from that debilitating depression where they weren't able to get out of bed or that um, like really intense anxiety that was keeping them homebound or disconnected from social uh, engagements or people. And after once their graduation, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the gym and I'm, I've got a new job and, by the way, I'm dating or, you know, all <laughs> these great things. Um, so I think that that's a good testimony and – that people do refer to us after yeah. having experiences with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that says a lot too, because it's not even just about us tooting our own horn, of sure, course, sure. but it's if, if we serve you well and you say, Hey, I trust Mount Carmel, go see them. Yeah. That means a lot. And again, I think, and I just always want to reiterate, like we are, because we're an education based program, at least on the behavioral health side, mm-hmm. we are so open and willing for feedback. Yeah. And, and again, that's just growth opportunities for us. So we're hungry for that to be the best we can be. Yeah. And seeing that success, what does that do for you and your team? Yeah. Um, well, it's a motivator. It's yeah. definitely a motivator. <laughs> sure. um, <laughs> I, think, I think it reinforces. So everybody who's on our team is like, I have a passion for this thing called counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter where they are in their journey, I think it's a... It's a reinforcement of this is why I do this job. Yeah. And it makes all of the the challenges or the struggles or the really um, just hard stories or, or feelings of overwhelm that sometimes as, as providers we can feel it makes it all worth it. Yeah. Because um, we would do all of that and more for just that one person to experience that positive graduation because it feels that good. Yeah, and I think... So my wife works in the social work field. Yeah. And so I have a, a, a small understanding of this because, you know, she'll come home and she'll tell me stories of, yeah. you know, her day. And 
um, to, to hear you describe that, you know, your team you and yourself, you're taking on someone else's burden. And anytime you do that, pl- plenty of people do that in a lot of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. But anytime you do that and then can see that change in the other person, yeah. right? I, I think to, to me, that's a lot of, when she talks about it, she's like, yeah, like I take, you know, I take on a lot and sometimes it's, you know, nothing changes, yeah. right? And, so, and sometimes maybe it can get worse because it's, it's a process. Yeah. But when you take that on and it does change, yeah. I think kind of how you mentioned earlier, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, it, and it allows you to get through to that next one. Right. And actually, if, if you don't mind, I'll just uh, rechange. I'm such a semantics person. Please. <laughs> it probably drives people that I work with crazy. <laughs> but um, instead of saying we take on a burden, because I don't think that we take on a burden personally. Okay. Um, and I also know that um, a lot of our military community definitely do not want to be burdens. Sure. So I would say instead, we... We intentionally create the space and work really hard to be focused and open to whatever needs to be laid out in that therapy room mm-hmm. for somebody to recover. And sometimes that's really heavy Yeah, and it is hard and it's painful to see the suffering of the person that you're sitting across from. Um, and it can be to a degree, sometimes draining, not that that person is draining, not that their stories are too much. It's just, it's, it's hard to witness other people suffering. Um, but that's what we're trained to do. And the cool thing is, is again, it's, it's always an honor to sit with somebody, hold that space for the suffering and then watch the light come in with every choice and epiphany or tear that they're shedding or however that works, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You said that way better than I did, no, no, which is why just, you're the professional. No, I just, it was just that burden thing, you know. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I, I, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate the semantics. So, so thank you. Um, so for those who may be seeking services, how can they go about obtaining those? Yeah. So we do have a website. It's um, if you just go online and go to veteranscenter.org. So that's veteranspluralcenter.org. And then we also have a main line, which is 719-772-7000. Um, I would say call the Greet and Connect team if if the online like uh, platform or whatever is not your jam or if our website is overwhelming. Hopefully it's not too overwhelming. <laughs> uh, but either way, you know, reach out and, and see what services we might have for you. Mm-hmm. And then for those who are listening and they're like, I, I love this. This sounds great. I want to be a part of it. Uh, how, how can they get involved? Where can they start? Yes. So I would say again, if you go to the website, I think that there is a volunteer, um, and or donation tab, but if that doesn't work, just call the greet and connect team. Mm -hmm. Um, and they can help navigate and, and, um, support you in that journey of giving back. Yeah. And, before we close, I, we've talked about it quite a bit here, but I want to give you an opportunity to, if there's anything else you want to add, maybe uh, something you haven't had a chance to talk about or maybe reiterating something you really want to drive a point home. Is there anything else that you want to share? Yeah, I think the only thing that um, I want to share is that over the past six and a half years, one of the things about Mount Carmel Veterans Service Center that has, what do I want to say? 
has been like glue where my feet are stuck here <laughs> really is the, the, the mission and the passion that the entire team here has. And that's not just behavioral health. I mean, it's across the board. And so um, all of the veterans that work here, mm-hmm. um, all of the civilians, it's, we do have a deep desire to leave you know, no one left behind type of thing. And we may not be able to meet every single need because, again, like our behavioral health, we're not a crisis resource. Um, so we're not a crisis line. We're not open 24-7 type of thing. But that hopefully we could at least somehow connect people to what those needs are. And so it's it's pretty awesome to be a part of this mission. Um, and it's been very rewarding. And I'm just looking forward to hopefully many more years. Great. Uh, Well, thank you, Kirsten. I appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today and for all the work that you do uh, here at Mount Carmel. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Scott. If you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, be sure to look for us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 